Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast. Member of the Education Podcast Network. Today, we have on Gary Hensley. He is the CEO of Living Tree. But what I really, really, really like about this episode is he was a former teacher, saw a problem, decided to do something about it, created his own product, created his own company. Some tragic life events happened, and he built it right back up. This story is amazing. This is honestly one of my favorite podcasts. It would mean the world to me if you not only would listen to this one, share this one. I think this is going to be really inspirational to a lot of teachers, but a lot of entrepreneurs out there. He was very transparent and very vulnerable in this episode. Lastly, at the end of the episode, he gives all his contact information. I do think what he's doing will help a lot of educators out there. So I'm pretty excited about that as well. But this is one, again, that I think that entrepreneurs, parents, and teachers will really, really thoroughly enjoy. So let's get into the episode. Gary Hensley. All right. So now I am pleased to bring on uh, Living Tree CEO, Gary Hensley, uh, a guy who has been not only living that startup journey, but has a unique aspect of being a teacher first and then entrepreneur. So I'm excited to go down that path. Gary, thanks so much for being on. Great to be here, Don. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So we've now, now we've known each other for about seven years. Haven't heard from you in a while. And also we've reconnected and, and just I love everything about what you've done. But let me, let me go back to the very beginning. Uh, you were a teacher and then all of a sudden started to get into that startup world. Tell yep. me the beginnings of that. So um, I started off as a uh, eighth grade middle school uh, chemistry and physics teacher in uh, Newport Beach, California. Um, shout out to the, uh, the crew out in California. It was a, it was a great experience. I love teaching. Um, I moved into administration um, after about three years in the classroom. And, um, you know, that move from the classroom to administration exposed me to new things that were going on really from a system perspective. And this was in, uh, 2006. Uh, and one of the things as an AP that I was dealing with that I wasn't, uh, really as a teacher was this, uh, constant flow of issues when it comes to behavioral problems or referrals. And so I just, honestly, I got curious about why is it that I was seeing the same kids uh, really around multiple things. It's like, I'd, you know, we'd run our our F list and the kid would come in and have two more F's. And then I'd run my, you know, who are the kids that are 80% and below on attendance. And, uh, I, you know, it, a lot of times it was the same kid, but we weren't looking at the data in the same way. We were looking at it in, in silos as opposed to like, Hey, this is a human, right? Like this is a kid. Um, all of these data points are related to each other. Um, so I started uh, playing around with data and seeing if there were new ways to combine that data. I, I really say stumbled on a uh, an algorithm that was predictive um, in Excel. I was just kind of trying to figure it out at night after basketball, you know, basketball duty, and all the other things that they uh, that I was doing. Um, and I realized, hey, there's something here. Uh, there's a way to help people in my shoes as an assistant principal find a kid that's uh, before they would traditionally come into the office, before a referral happened. Um, and so ended up turning that into a product, uh, sold the idea kind of to somebody who said, I'll give you $30 if you can just, or th uh, $30,000 if you can just build it. Um, and I said, great. So I started doing that. Um, 
and then found a technical co-founder who could help me build it. Um, and then we took that out and then that was acquired in 2009 by, by Pearson. Um, so that was kind of the, the first uh, entry into entrepreneurship for me. And it, again, it was really, really around this idea that, hey, I think, I think I'm not the only one that has this problem. I think there are more people that have this problem. And how can we take technology and scale that out to, uh, to the broader, broader system? So, yeah. And, and so all of a sudden you, you get that entrepreneurial bug as many people do. And you're like, and I don't, I don't want to demean it and say, well, like, well, that was simple. And that was a, <laughs> and that was a cool buyout because every entrepreneur out there is like, it's never that simple. Um, and it's not, but all of a sudden you started to identify other problems. And then, um, and really that's how we met. The, yep. Go over how the beginnings of and why of uh, Ed Backer. So the, um, I was doing my, my own daughter's fundraiser at the time. It was, a uh, it was like a, company where you run around the track and you collect coins and you know as a parent we've all probably done this in some way right so it's either wrapping paper or ice cream or whatever it is that we end up selling and buying ourselves uh, so I was in the middle of that insanity and um, I just stopped for a moment in what I was doing and I was like why why do we do it like why do we just keep doing this um, and you know, I'm on the field watching my daughter run around the track and, you know, I've got like quarters and, you know, checks and I'm like, it is 2014, um, actually 13. Uh, why, why can't we do this online? Um, and this was right when like Kickstarter and I had just bought my, you know, that what was, I can't, the Pebble watch had just like raised a record amount of money. And I was like, this is, this is powerful stuff. Why, why can't we do this in education and save ourselves a bunch of time, money buying you know, stuff we don't really want anyway. So I kind of launched around that idea. Um, how can we take this crowdfunding phenomenon and apply it to an area that we raise a lot of money in every year, kids and parents. So that was the initial concept. Uh, we've evolved a, a lot since then um, because fundraising is interesting in, in K-12. It's it's, it used to be for the extras. And as you know, Don, it's, it's not for extras anymore. It's for like everyday stuff that you need as a teacher, everyday stuff as you need as a school system. So it is a fundamental part of the equation now in the school funding budget. Um, so that's kind of the evolution. We started to build product around that. As we talked to our customer, we got deeper, deeper into understanding what the real problem was. And fundraising was the uh, kind of overarching issue, but there were deeper issues the further and further you kind of talk to the customer. So yeah, let me let me open up that can of worms. So and just from a casual observer, it seems as though and I know and you're saying you're, you're starting to find out some answers. <clears throat> it seems as though that the schools that need the funding aren't necessarily going to have the contacts that have. Well, let's be honest, with, like that upper middle class school that might need a few extras, the parents take care of it. Yep. Um, a lot of times the, the underserved schools, the mom and dad's already tapped out. Yeah. How, how, what was their strategy? You know, cause Ed, like right now you're right. There, there is so many peanut butter brittle and wrapping paper for sale that sometimes parents are stressed out as heck. Yeah. And, and, and the schools that really need it, they don't, the, the moms and dads just don't have it. What was their strategy? So the idea was it's, um, what's interesting about that is our most, uh, some of our most successful schools 
are schools that you would make some assumptions about. So a Title I school, um, you look at that the get that demographic and you say, well, you know, probably you know not going to be the most successful fundraiser, but that tends to not be true. Um, and the reason is is that parents can they they do want their children to have those supplies that need. And then there's the broader community. Um, you know, elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, all are in a community, and that community tends to rally around um, needs for that school. So um, our approach has been uh, not only engage your parent base, but also engage the broader community. And you can do that in all kinds of, I mean, with, with social and the, you know, with Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you can get your message out there. Now that message needs to be a compelling message, right? It needs to be a real need and you need to tell a story about the impact um, that your dollars are going to have. But we've seen just over and over again, um, it doesn't matter you know, where you live or what zip code you're in, you can raise money for, for things that matter. And people will rally around that. Well, I can, uh, well, now let's go into the, you know, how you trained some of these teachers in that storytelling and that narrative. You said like, it's, if you're like, Hey, we need money. That's not exactly a thing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming now that, you know, even back then, and we can talk about the transition to living tree, but when Ed Becker, how did you train those teachers to, to give that narrative? It's part of the, you know, we, we took a hands-on approach. Um, you know, I would say four or five years ago, uh, required a lot more training because, you know, when we, when you survey teachers who have either done this or not done, you know, the, most of them had not had experience with online fundraisers. Now, when we do a training, most of the teachers have had some experience with online fundraising or been familiar with it, either launched one themselves or participated in one uh, online. So uh, I would say we need, we do a lot less training now, but the, the very first question that comes up right after like, oh, okay, I get how to click the buttons and launch a campaign is, all right, now what, you know, how do we, uh, become successful at this. And so we've always advocated for it. Talk about the impact. So if you're running a campaign for, you know, technology in your classroom, uh, you need whatever it is, you know, iPads, you know, whatever it is. Um, that campaign is not really about iPads. It's about the impact that those iPads are going to have on your students, how they're going to be able to access uh, more curriculum through that. They're going to be able to do things that they couldn't do before. And ultimately, it's going to improve their academic experience. And that is why you need iPads in the classroom. It's not about the technology. Uh, it's about the impact that's going to have. And that, that narrative is true no matter what it is you're talking about. So, you know, replace iPad with chairs or whatever it is that storyline is always how you raise money. That's awesome. So you, you, you launched Adbacker and, and I remember, you know, we were, we were in the really early days when I, when I was at my previous school yeah. and we did some yeah. things with you guys. And then, um, and then, yeah, I, I, I took on a new role and I haven't seen or heard from you in a while. Yeah. And uh, I was just really flattered that, that um, you reached out to me on LinkedIn because we, we hadn't connected. And, and then I got the rest of the story. I got the update. And you were, you were telling me all this stuff. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I really want to have this conversation. Can we have it on air? Um, <laughs> just because it was so compelling. And I, and I love um, some of this journey. So walk us through it. Ed Backer, I, I remember you guys in 2010, 2011. Yep. Yep. What has uh, happened since? Well, um, let's see. When we, when we started working with you, we were really early days. You know, we were, 
I wouldn't say we, we had product out in the market, but we didn't have product market fit in terms of really understanding all the issues. And then- Which by the way, I appreciated that because um, that was the really early days of my innovation class. I mean, really. And <laughs> full disclosure, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, it was this new concept, a new idea, and it was a struggle. And so I liked working with you guys because we were, you were in early stage trying to figure it out. And I thought, how cool is it that this, again, the, the class doesn't have to be entrepreneurial, but oftentimes it becomes it. And like, you guys were really honest. And it's like, okay, we think we're going to try this. And I was like, guys, 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 this is a lesson right here. Like they're living what we're talking about right now in theory. And uh, so just full disclosure, I loved, loved the fact that you guys let us peek under the hood. And, and Don, to be honest, we needed people like you that love that about us because <laughs> that, us, that kept us going. We got great feedback. Um, and it came a point where, um, you know, we had to make some decisions on uh, raising rounds of money. Um, and so it was about that time, right after, right after we had uh, launched your campaign and you had filmed some stuff for us, um, that we started to make that decision. I, I left my job at, at Pearson. And, um, and then life happens, man. Um, you know, in 2000, we had launched, uh, officially in 2013, uh, in around September and, and then in January of 14, um, you know, I got a knock on the door that, that kind of changed, uh, you know, my life forever. And, um, you know, my, my wife passed away and she was out in California, um, and that was, uh, you know, I had to take a pause. So that, that was part of the reason why you, you didn't hear from me for, for a while. So, you know, after that, after that moment, I wasn't really sure, um, what I was going to do, uh, just generally like, you know, forget just Ed Backer, but just life in general. Um, so it took about six months. Um, and during that time, you know, my co-founders, uh, they had to go take other jobs. And so we were just in this really weird in-between place. I was about to raise funds for Ed Backer and obviously had to take a pause in, in doing that. So, you know, we're, we're right at that phase where we wanted to launch and then this happens and I've got no job at Pearson and I've got no funding uh for ed backer and um i had to start uh just living off of my my savings um so it took six months to just take a pause and i you know one of the one of the people that i talked to during that time is uh michael chasen from from blackboard he, he was on my advisory board and he said gary hey everybody would understand if you just packed it up man no one no one is thinking that, you know, you got to keep going here um, on this. And, you know, I understood what he was saying, but in my heart, I wasn't, I wasn't done with this. Um, and so after about six months or so, uh, I started to, to re-engage um, on, on the platform and kind of rebuild from zero because every, all the momentum we had, we lost. And um, my co-founders were gone. Uh, and it was really just me at that point. Um, and so I took uh, whatever money I had and I actually loaned the company money during that time to keep us, um, keep us afloat and just double down on this idea of, hey, I really, do you really believe in this? And I did. 
So, and I, I just kind of knew in my heart, this was not done yet. So um, we rebuilt it and I knew one of the first things I needed to do was go out there and just um, tell the story and raise some money. And I, I was at 1776 at the time, and this was now October of that year of 2014. There was a startup competition, um, the, the Challenge Cup, and um, we participated in that Challenge Cup and we won. Um, and that was a huge just moment for us, for me personally, uh, it was just validation that, um, you know, no matter what happens, uh, if you keep going, uh, you surround yourself with good people, good advisors, um, you know, you can, you yeah. can keep this, keep this alive. So, so uh, yeah, let me, let me, you know, one of the things that is a complaint and it's a valid one about being an entrepreneur. Um, and I live in two worlds. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to have, I'm blessed to be a classroom teacher, but um, <laughs> I run a company and I run a nonprofit. I don't know what the heck's wrong with me. Um, <laughs> but the, one of the, the biggest complaints is it's lonely. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like, yeah, it's hard to associate. Um, and people don't understand what you go through because it's not, you are responsible for you. That's it. There is no uh, coffee room or break room. There's, there's you. How, first of all, my heart hurts. Um, that was just the perfect storm of awful. And for you to be the entrepreneur and then for all the turmoil you went through and all this change and then, and then the fact that the, the company lost momentum for the obvious reasons, uh, who did you, I mean, you, you mentioned your friend at Blackboard, but like, who did you lean on? Because I, I, you know, I, I, I definitely wanted to focus on some of the teacher lessons on this, but you know, for the entrepreneurs out there that, that encounter or weather the storms quietly, I'm assuming you, you had to lean on somebody. I did. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't just one person. Um, there were, there were, you know, a, a close group of people, um, you know, I, I come from a military background, so my, you know, my my family, we've always been close knit because it was always, you know, it was just mom, dad, my sister for a long time. So, you know, my sister was my best friend, you know, because it was just us. My parents were kind of, you know, we had that kind of relationship. I think any army, uh, military family gets that. Um, so I was really close with my family, and they were incredibly supportive. Um, there was another guy who was an investor uh, friend of mine, um, Craig. Uh, Cummings, and he has a, uh, a company called Moonshots Capital. And Craig was just uh, super encouraging to me and, you know, kind of took me under his wing and gave me a, an outlet to talk about stuff. Um, and then, you know, our, our, our church was incredibly generous to our family, you know, I had two kids and that's a, um, you know, just, a, there was a lot going on. Um, and so it was a community of people that, that really, um, you know, that, that DC area really supported us through, through that time. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So all, all of a sudden you, you, you're like, okay, you, you, like not only are you ready to go, you said you, you end up, you're digging into your own savings. You throw in some of your own capital at the company and you just, when was that moment that you're like, damn it? Yes, this is going to work. I don't know. I'm waiting for that moment, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, um, you know, I, I knew that we had something there. 
um, I, I, I knew, well, one, I knew there was a real problem, right? I, I, I wasn't sure how to tackle that and what the right product market fit was eventually going to be, but I knew that where there was a problem and this funding was, was part of that. So I was really passionate about that. Um, once we got some initial funding and we could start iterating on the product a little faster, um, I started to feel more confident. And, you know, when investors invested in some ways, it is a little bit of validation. You know, you convince somebody that besides your, your family and yourself that this is a good idea and they kind of get it and they see the potential around it. Um, so that was, uh, that's where I was like, all right, there's something, there's something here. Um, and, you know, the, the advisors we were able to bring on and just, um, that was just outside validation um, that, that helped us keep going. And I think it's, that's important. Okay. Well, I, so then things are starting to pick up. When did Living Tree enter the equation? So, you know, fast forward, it was a two year, we had about a two year run um, after that, two to three years. And, you know, we uh, brought on new districts. We brought on one of our biggest districts, Austin ISD. And, um, I was coming out to Austin pretty often. And so as part of that, I, I joined Capital Factory. Um, so now, um, you know, kind of home base was 1776, um, but second home was started to become Austin. So um, Capital what, Factory. What, Capital Factory, is that like a co-working space? What is that? Yeah, it's a co-working space in, in Austin. I'd say it's larger than that. It's, he, he, Josh Bear calls it the center of gravity for entrepreneurship in Austin. And I think he's pretty true to that. It's become huge, um, you know, programming and uh, uh, just a, a great space. So we were working out of that. We became one of their accelerator companies. And as part of that, you know, every time I was in town, um, I would ask Josh, hey, is there anybody I should meet? And you know, I, I hear this a lot from entrepreneurs, it's, you know, you know, should I go to this meeting? And the answer to me is always yes, you never know what's going to happen. And this story is a perfect example of that. Um, so Josh was like, hey, you should meet this guy named uh, Dean Draco. I was here for South by Southwest. We had a panel and I was like, okay, so um, texted back and forth. I was on a flight out at 11, but he could meet for coffee. And I was raising, you know, I was raising we needed to raise more money. So uh, I was talking to him about raising capital. Um, so we met for like 15, 20 minutes. And, um, you know, we had some conversations around raising money and Dean had some different ideas about what he wanted to do. Um, and um, so we, uh, that never happened. We never raised any money from, from Dean, but that relationship, um, six months later, I got a phone call from him. I was out in California and he said, hey, um, you know, I think that we should put these two companies together and I would like you to, to be the CEO. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Um, and I said, sounds like a good idea to me. <laughs> Let, let's do it. So we worked out the details of how that was going to work and it gave us some really interesting capabilities when you merge, you know, family engagement, communication with fundraising, because it was kind of all in that same parent space, but now, you know, combining um, some things that we wanted to build and some things that they had on their roadmap into one company sounded uh, absolutely amazing and gave me a, a, a second bite at uh, the Apple. And um, so we did the deal. Um, but had I not gone to that that 15 minute coffee um, and just had that introduction, I would have never gotten that phone call 
Um, if I had never joined Capital Factory, I would have never got the introduction. Uh, so, you know, there's these series of things that, that happened that all led to that moment. And it, it was just about saying, yes, you know, yes, I'll go Absolutely. to that meeting. Yes, I'll show up to Absolutely. six. Yes, I'll be a part of two incubators. Yes, I'll do it. Um, so uh, I know. love that. No, yeah. I'm, I, it's one of my things. I, I, we have a, a monthly networking ish night uh, every well, every month uh, for our students. And we always go and help a nonprofit. And I'm like, it, whenever you get the chance to network. And then of course, the, there's the flim flammy, hey, I've got my card, maybe we should play some golf kind of <laughs> awfulness. But like, just saying yes, and being open to things is so important. And you never know. Like one of our big breakthroughs with a, a student with our accelerator slash, he's also a former student. Um, but Ryan and I, um, well, I applied to, to be a presenter at South by Southwest. And um, because we were literally the nation's first esports team, um, not club. That was the definitive thing. We're, we're an esports team. And so um, anyway, we got accepted out to speak at South by Southwest. And we're like, oh, man, this is going to be huge. And we're going to tear it up. And everybody's going to love us. <laughs> and 12 people showed up. <laughs> Crickets. But, but of the 12, one was the social media director for Atlantic Records. And the other was a writer for ESPN. Wow. Both pr proved to be very and, – and, and just, you know, it, I, I was really proud of Ryan – and, and somewhat myself because my, my disappointment wasn't on my face. Um, but in a room that should have held a lot more people, it held 12. My gosh, the things that have came out of that meeting have been everything. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just, that's such a great lesson. And, and, you know, you just kept taking on and saying yes. And I think that that's just a whole lot of wonderful and, you know, not me pandering to you, just having known you, um, you know, you're, you're a good guy and you've got a great mission. And I, you know, a company without a, a mission and that driving force is, you know, everybody else, but uh, you, you had a driving force. And I think the legitimacy factor of you being a teacher um, also obviously plays in. So anywho, so you, you're saying yes, this all of a sudden some things get done and, and uh, now give me the rest of the story. How, how are things going now? What is your focus? Tell me about that. Yeah. So um, I'll actually update you on, on two fronts. Um, so, uh, on a personal front, um, I got remarried. Uh, so yeah, you, you know, the ups and downs of, of life and entrepreneurship, but, um, that was definitely an, an up, um, it's an amazing, amazing woman. And we're expecting our first, uh, first child. Dude, that's <laughs> awesome. I know my, uh, my two kids, um, you know, 17 and 10, have uh, weathered that storm amazingly, and uh, you know, about to go to college, and so um, we're in a good spot. We, we're we're here in Austin, and uh, Living Tree is you know uh, really focused in on how do we make best of breed technology combined with research based practice to move the needle on both family engagement and fundraising. Um, and our philosophy is that, you know, those two things married together in education is uh, a eureka moment for, for everybody. Because um, there's, there's always talk, you know, you know, how do you sustain this PD around family engagement? How do you sustain the effort around fundraising if it's always tied to, a, you know, one person that's got all the knowledge, right? That's a, this equilibrium that technology kind of takes out of the equation, uh, this disparity. Um, so now with access to 
with to access to tech and the ability to communicate out, and you combine that with good practice, um, we feel like that will move the needle on both of these fronts. So we're really excited about that, um, and we continue to just drive forward on on that that mission. Is you know all of this centered around students. Everything that that these products do ultimately is in support of academic performance and student achievement. Um, but you gotta get the forces, right? You gotta get parents involved, you gotta get teachers involved, you gotta get the broader community involved when it comes to fundraising. Um, so our, our tech just makes that easy to do. I'm assuming that I'm gonna know this answer um, based on the answer you gave prior, but your, your greatest teacher my greatest teacher, um, you know, my mom and dad, just hand, hands down. Yeah, um, yeah. I say that. <laughs> uh, absolutely incredible people. My mom is a career um, ESL, uh, English as a second language, or it's had different different names along the way, but uh, ELL. Uh, um, but she, twenty years of doing uh, that, she was she she came to uh, the U.S. from Puerto Rico. Um, didn't know any English and they didn't have ELL programs at that time. So she really has a heart for, um, for students that, that have that need coming in to a school system. And then my dad is a, uh, he's a colonel, uh, but he's also a chaplain. So both, both, I think both my parents are, have heart driven, uh, careers and that's obviously rubbed off a lot, um, on me, but absolutely, uh, first and most influential teachers, uh, yeah. for me. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up your sister because uh, I remember in the early days uh, when I first met you, then you passed me off to Alethea. I always butchered her name. Like for the first five calls, it was Alethea. And she was just too nice to eventually, Don, it's Alethea. Like, okay. Uh, and, and, and she goes by she, Sam at Starbucks now. She's like, just forget it. Uh, name, please, Sam. <laughs> Easy enough. Easy enough. Uh, and, 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 and what is she up to? She is now working at um, Common Desk in Dallas. Um, so it's a co-working space. Uh, she's there. She runs all of the community um, the community managers. Yeah. So each, each one of their um, branches has a community manager, and she runs all of them. So she's great at it, social media and marketing background. Uh, she's yeah. absolutely crushing it. So. She is. She is. That's awesome. So your life now has, is – changed the, the the role shift from startup guy uh running lean running fast to ceo major different or you've kind of hybrided the two i think it's a hybrid of the two um you know we've got uh what i think is fun about it is that i've got a, a bigger team um great people uh, passionate about the mission uh, and it gives me the ability to, you know, work, work on, uh, more stuff. Uh, so I can, you know, I trust my team. They're doing an amazing job at what they do, but there's, you know, a little bit of a, sh a shift in, in the role. I'm not, you know, as hands-on in, you know, certain areas that I used to be. Um, but that's just part of the, that's, you can't grow otherwise, right? You can't, you know, you hire good people and you let them do what they're good at. So, um, that's been a, a little bit of a transition, but I say it's a hybrid. Yeah. So, I mean, being in charge, uh, but there's still a structure there that like you still have to, you can't call every shot, I'm assuming. No, no, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And you know, we've got, 
Dean, who is our uh, lead investor, he's very hands-on investor, which is is actually been great. So Dean's background, you know, uh, is Bar- founder of Barracuda Networks, uh, spam filtering, and did amazingly well. He he's run several companies, so he's been a great mentor um, in having that. But you know, he's he's keeping an eye. So you know, we've got decisions we need to make, and we usually make them together as as a team between the CTO. Uh, Dean and myself. Well, that that have to be a unique situation that you went from being a lean lean startup to being a CEO that's obviously got a little bit of more latitude. Um, but have you? <laughs> is there still that edge um, in that lean days, or do, can you take a few more risks because Barracuda was a heck of a company? <laughs> um, we can take calculated calculated risk. Um, you know, we, we're at a different state, both products are pretty mature. So in terms of, you know, we're not, we're not trying to figure out what the market needs in terms of like a basic yeah. product fit. Um, we are, you know, always learning, you know, we're really starting to uh, delve into social and online, um, you know, cause we're a B2B business uh, in terms of we sell directly to school districts. Uh, but there is a, a lot of social component to what we do. So we're always experimenting. We're trying stuff out. Um, you know, our, if, if it doesn't work, we'll, we'll fix it. You know, we'll, we, we continue to experiment. I, yeah, I think there's that edge still in the yeah. company. Um, well, that's cool. No, I mean, uh, you have a, basically a founder that was a serial entrepreneur and obviously hasn't lost the edge. And then you have a, a CEO that also, you know, had lived it. So I, obviously that's a heck of a dynamic. You, sometimes you, you fear that uh, you'll get old and stodgy and kind of boring. <laughs> but, uh, absolutely not. I mean, you know, we've got, we've got resources, but there's never unlimited and you can't be careless with that. So, you know, we make calculated risk. Not all of those work out the way we want them to, but we, you know, keep going. Um, so. That's awesome. Well, Gary, I, the journey, um, has just inspired me and, and, uh, number one, I'm just, I'm so glad we reconnected. There's, there's going to be some interesting things I know pop up for you guys, but, um, hearing all that, I wanted to one, hear the rest of the story just for my own self, but, uh, and I hope it doesn't seem like I'm being opportunistic, um, but it's, 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 it's inspirational in the sense that I think a lot of people, um, by no means have gone through as much, um, but that that leaning on others, counting on family, um, getting through those hard times. Because man, I just I know far too many startup guys that just quietly, quietly suffer. And um, I just I love that. And then just as as a as a human being, I, I love the fact that you know you guys are providing a lot of value to educators, um, and obviously the students um, is a benefit to that as well. So. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, I will thank you for being on the show, but, um, and thanks for being a good guy. Other than that, I also want to, with, I'd be remiss, tell everybody where they can find information, where they can find you, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Don, pleasure to be on the show. I was excited about what, what you're doing in terms of your ventures. So I think there's a lot of stuff we might be able to do together moving forward. But um, if you need to find out more information about Living Tree, we're at www.livingtree.com. If you need to find out information uh, on me or just want to connect with me personally um, on LinkedIn, uh, it's uh, well the LinkedIn uh uh, extension in dot uh, Gary Hensley and you can find me on there just search me under Gary Hensley on LinkedIn would be happy to connect with you all right there you go Gary thanks so much for being on the show
Awesome. Thanks, Don.